Welcome to My Bible Study, a verse-by-verse devotional study through the Bible with Pastor Bob Thibodeau. In this unique series, Pastor Bob takes you through the Bible just a few verses at a time. No preaching, just a simple Bible reading with examples and explanations of the meaning behind the scriptures. My Bible study will take you from Genesis chapter 1 all the way through the book of Revelation. Now, here is Pastor Bob Thibodeau. You know, long before, God had told Abram to leave his country and his relatives. At that time, leaving Lot was mainly a matter of principle. You know, go, Abraham, do it because God said so. Now, years later, Abraham reluctantly acknowledges that a separation must take place, not as a matter of principle, but out of practical expediency and necessity. You know, my friend, one way or another, God's will is going to be done, either with your agreement or without your agreement, right? It could be done a lot easier if you agree with God and just follow his lead. It could have been done by Abram way back in her, but it was not. God providentially brought an irritation and a competition between Abram and Lot, which forced the separation to occur. Sooner or later, God's purposes will come to pass. And I won't get into it here, but you've heard my testimony before about how God moved me from Texas to Maryland. I didn't want to move to Maryland, but for nine months, God supernaturally started removing everything I'd used as an excuse to stay in Texas from my life until the only reasonable alternative and the only reasonable solution was for me to move to Maryland. And then as soon as I arrived, the blessing showed up right? And I'd leave today if God told me I could, but that day has not come yet. And just like Elijah refused to move from the book Corinth, even when it dried up, all because God had told him that this is where he'd be supplied with everything he needed if he remained there. Well, that's how I am about leaving Maryland. I'm not leaving as long as God says stay. And when, you know, he doesn't say leave, I'll stay right here in this place because this is where God told me my needs to be met, and they have been. Anyway, let's get back into the story of Abram and Lot. No doubt, the problem which caused Abram and Lot to separate had been existing for a long time. And I imagine that Abram had frequent discussions with Sarai, his wife. The text doesn't say this, but I suspect that Sarah's words were the same to Abram as countless wives have spoken to their husbands in such a time as this, you know, three famous words that, you know, just about every wife will always tell their husband. When I say, this isn't working, this isn't working, I should have done this, I should have listened to you. And what are those famous three words? I told you. Right? <laughs> oh, don't shut me down while I'm preaching good. I heard women everywhere say, amen, preach it, brother. Right? I told you. I told you this is what was going to happen, right? And Abram's like, yeah, I know you did. Especially, and you know, again, Scripture doesn't say this, so we're just having a little fun here, but she's probably like, especially when you gave me away to that king. Right? I mean, she, you know, she's still holding that back a little bit. That, that spear comes out every now and then. But you could just hear, I told you, I told you, I told you not to bring him. I told you, I told you. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. We got to do something, right? Of course, you know, 
the a lot of times the inevitable outcome is obvious to our mate long before we are willing to accept the reality of our circumstances. Sarah may well have posed a very different solution than the one Abraham came up with now. She might have said to Abraham, you know, tell Lot just to hit the trail. Adios, goodbye. But God didn't call Lot to Canaan, Abram. He didn't call him to go to Canaan. He called you. He's the one who told you this would be your land, not Lot's. Just tell him to leave. Head on out. He's a grown man. He can take care of himself. He's got all the flocks and stuff. Let him, let him go. All this, of course, is mere conjecture on our part, but any student of human nature would find it to be at least a realistic possibility, right? I mean, you know, wives tend to protect their husbands. And she sees the problem here. She says, tell them to hit the road. You're done taking care of them. Abram's solution could not have been more gracious or more godly. His motivation seems to be ethically and not economically based. Abram said a lot. And, and you know, we'll come down here in verse 8 again. Uh, Let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and you, between my herdsmen and your herdsmen, for we're brothers, we're family. Isn't the whole land before you? Separate yourself, I pray thee, from me. If you want to take the left hand, I'll go to the right. If you want the right, I'll go to the left. So more than anything, Abram wanted to maintain peace and to heal the strife that had come between himself and Lot. And the overriding principle is that of the unity of the brotherhood that must be preserved. Strangely, though very practically, this unity is to be preserved by separation. Right, right now, the whole world with this pandemic thing, you know, the big key words are, you know, uh, was it separate but together type thing. And that's what we see here uh, with Abraham and Lot, or Abram and Lot. You know, to preserve our unity in the brotherhood, we need to separate. Someone must leave, either Abram or Lot. And seemingly, it was obvious they must separate. The only question was, who would leave and where would they go? So Abram left that decision to Lot. Abram had made the decision, we're going to separate. Now, the next decision, Lot, you choose. And then I'll go the opposite way. The offer gave Lot the advantage and left Abram very vulnerable in the situation. And it would seem that both men, from the way we could read these verses, both men were standing on a high hill from a spot where all the surrounding land was visible when Abram made his offer to Lot. So Lot's decision was made on the basis of a quick, cool financial calculation. With the eye of an appraiser, he looked over the land. He's looking at this land. He's like, okay, which way do I want to go? He's giving me my choice here. Which way do I want to go? And he's weighing the advantages and the disadvantages of each option. Lot lifted up his eyes and saw all the Jordan Valley, well watered everywhere. This is before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, like the Lord uh, did the land of Egypt. Is you know, uh, what am I trying to say here? Before he destroyed the land of Sodom and Gomorrah, so is it all the land of Egypt up to Zoar, right? So Lot chose himself all the valley of the Jordan, and then Lot journeyed eastward. And they separate from each other. That's in verses ten and eleven. He fixed his gaze on the beautiful Jordan Valley, the lush green 
you know, evidenced by uh, we give evidence of the presence of plentiful waters down in the Jordan area for irrigation, parched hills and dusty lands beyond that it didn't interest him. There was any, barely any water out there. Literally, the Jordan Valley could have been called a paradise in that area because it was just like the garden of the Lord. In verse 13, men of Sodom were wicked and strangers before the Lord exceedingly. Uh, what, what am I reading here? Okay, verse 11. Lot chose them all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed to separate themselves one from another. Abram dwelt in the land of Canaan. Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain, pitched his tent towards Sodom. It seems... I can't get off this. Let me back up just a little bit. It seems as if he was more concerned about the irrigation of the Jordan Valley, the provision in the Jordan Valley for his flocks and herds. And it was like the garden of the Lord in that it was not going to rely on rainfall. The ground itself had water. Right. So remember in, back in Genesis chapter uh, one and two, we talked about how the mist came up to water all the plants and all that before rain fell. Well, this is what he was seeing in the Jordan Valley. So he didn't have to have much faith there because it was already going to be taken care of. The water was abundant. Life was abundant down there. So he didn't have to look to God to bring rain from cloudless skies. So Lot made his choice, and it was a shrewd decision, seemingly the choice that gave him a decided edge in the competition between himself and Abram. It was, in my mind, a selfish decision, one that took all of the best and left Abram with all that seemed worthless. All that Abram had done for him over the years, all of the help Abram had done, it had taken care of him when he was younger, and all that he had now was a result of the blessing of Abram on his life. And now he decides he's just going to shut Abram out in the cold. Now, Lot's defense would be, hey, he asked where I wanted to go. Right? The simplest and fairest decision would have been to make the Jordan River itself the boundary between the two. That way, both of them could have had access to the valley. Both of them could have had access to water. Right, one dwell on this side of the river, the other on the other side of the river. But Lot chose all the valley of the Jordan. Right, he was looking out for number one. He could have written a book on the subject of how to look out for number one. But the decision has been made because I'll take the Jordan Valley area. That left Abram the desert. Abram could argue about now. Lot, wait a minute. Come on now. You know, I need water too. Why don't we split the Jordan? Abram said, I let Lot choose. So, okay, let's, let's do this. So they separate. Abram dwelt in Canaan, out in the desert. Lot started moving closer and closer to Sodom. Abram settled in the land of Canaan, while Lot settled in the cities of the valley, and moving his tents closer and closer to Sodom. You know, I heard one pastor say one time, the more you look towards Sodom, the closer you get to Sodom. The closer you get to Sodom, the closer Sodom gets to you. And then you start seeing the things that go on in Sodom, and those things get into you. 
And then you start participating in the things in Sodom and the things in Sodom start participating in you. And then when destruction comes to Sodom, destruction comes to you. Right? Anyway, Lot had considered very carefully the economic decisions that factored into you know, his ultimate decision. But he totally, 100% neglected the spiritual dimension. God had promised to bless Abram and to bless others through Abram as they blessed Abram. That's back in Genesis chapter 12, verse 3. As Lot went his way, I believe he was patting himself on the back, pulling one over on Uncle Abe. I mean, he must have been soft in the head to give such an advantage to Lot, right? But Lot was just sharp enough to cash in on it. Amen. Don't shout me down when I'm preaching good. There's a lot of people out there listening to me today that they run their businesses the same way. If I can get an extra dollar out of this guy, I'll get it. If I do 500 transactions like this a day, that's an extra $500 in my pocket. Instead of flipping around the other way, hey, look, I know you're hurting right now. I'm going to cut the price by 20%. Right? You bless them. Guess what God does? He blesses you. When you lend unto the poor, what does Scripture say? When you give unto the poor, God considers it a loan to him, and the Lord will repay. And he has done that over and over in my life. Anyway, uh, in the process of what's going on, Lot did not bless Abram, but belittled him. And that eventually brought cursing and not blessing, just like the scripture says. Furthermore, Lot had not considered the consequences of living in the cities of the valley. While the soil was fertile, the water was plentiful, the men in those cities were wicked. Just like any major metropolitan city in America today, usually run under liberal philosophical control, the inner cities are sewers of evil. They're all spiritually blind. They think they know better than God of what it takes to be blessed. They think more governmental control means more blessing. Jesus warned us there would be some fools who will say, let me take that speck of dust out of your eye while ignoring the log sticking out of their own eye. We see that all across America today, especially in Democrat strongholds. I digress. All right? The spiritual cost of Lot's decision was great. And in the final analysis, the material benefits that Lot had gained, he lost all of it just like in American cities today. Lot did not intend, I believe, to actually live in the cities of the valley. At first, he simply set off in that general direction. But I want you to notice, once our direction is set, that means our destination is also determined. I'm going to head towards California. Well, if you keep heading towards California, eventually you're going to end up where? In California, right? That's what's happened here. I'm going to head towards Sodom because that's where the fertile fields are at and plenty of water. As you head towards Sodom, eventually you're going to end up in Sodom. And that's what happened with Lot. At first, he lived in his tents long before he traded in his tent for a townhouse in Sodom, right? He may have lived in the suburbs initially. You know, he's living out here in the fields and, you know, the winds are blowing and some storms and, you know, all that. And he's like, I hate walking a whole day's journey just to go to the store. 
day's journey there. And then I got to spend the night in the city. And then maybe we move a little bit closer, then I can just go half a day's journey, get my stuff half a day back home. That's, that's good. And then he, he's thinking, well, you know, why take a whole day out to go into town and come back? We move a little bit closer. I can make you know, a couple hour journey, get the food, come back out. Only half a day is wasted. So he's getting closer and closer until finally, you know, the storms and live, tired of living in tents. You know, they got some nice townhomes in there, some nice apartments. You know, they're right on the edge of the city. So why don't why don't we just go ahead? You know, we'll leave the herdmen out here with the cattle and the herds and the flocks, and my family and I we can live in town. And that way they can go to the public school system in town. That way they can, you know, get jobs in town and, and we'll just move into town. And that's what's eventually happened. Lot started out here with Abram and then he chose to move towards Sodom. Eventually staying, he's out in the fields and then moving closer and closer and closer until he is now living in the city. Some decisions seem very insignificant, but they set a particular course for our life. The decision itself probably wasn't very important, but its final outcome can be tragic. Often the appearance is that his choice is one that's certain to be to our advantage. Material prosperity should never be sought at the cost of spiritual compromise. Never. How time can change our perspective on prosperity. When the decision was made to settle in the Jordan Valley, it was a virtual paradise. You can read that in verse 10. All right? Moses, however, included a little remark which put this beauty in a very different light. And that's in verse 10. It says, This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So what looked like a very smart decision by Lot, Moses just, wanted, Moses just wanted to make sure you understood it looked like this before the destruction came. How different things look in the wake of divine judgment. A beautiful paradise, and so it was, until God brought down fire and brimstone upon it. In fact, we'll, we'll read about this in chapter 19. From that day on, it was and has been a wasteland. Far more than the loss of his possessions and his prosperity, Lot paid a terrible price for his very short-lived pleasure. According to Peter, Lot's soul was continuously vexed by what he was, what he's observing in the city. Even when the saint is surrounded by sensual pleasure, he cannot enjoy sin for long. More tragic than anything, Lot paid for his decision with his family being the penalty payment. We know he lost some of his other children because they refused to obey his warnings of an impending judgment and to flee. Because of this, when it was just Lot, his wife, and two daughters, because they were the only ones who left, and when destruction started raining down on Sodom, Lot's wife was turned to salt because of her attachment to Sodom. And she turned around worrying about her children that were left in Sodom and her grandchildren. Again, we'll read about all this in chapter 19. His daughters, only knowing that that which had been their whole world, now seeing their world destroyed, 
They didn't know what to do, right? They seduced Lot, caused him to commit incest. No doubt a reflection on the moral values that they'd learned in Sodom. But we'll discuss that more as we get to those scriptures. You can't totally fault Lot's daughters for doing this. Okay, let me just put this, I'll say this right now. They knew the scriptures. Now, they didn't have the Bible, okay? But they knew the scriptures of how Noah was used by God to preserve mankind and then judgment fell in the flood. Noah and his family were told to repopulate the earth. They, that's, they know that's why Noah was saved, him and his family. They also know that the rainbow was God's symbol covenant that he would never destroy the world by a flood again. So far as everything they had ever known, God had rained down fire and brimstone, and as far as the eye could see, their world was on fire and destroyed except for the spot they were in. So they probably understood in their own minds that it was now their duty. You know, the mother was gone. It's just them and their father as far as they know. They don't know anybody else. Everything else around them is being destroyed. So they make the decision, I've, just like this is just like Noah's time. God said he wasn't going to use water anymore. So I guess it's our family's turn to repopulate the earth. And since Noah was the only man left, they could have believed it was their duty to do what they did. Now, I'm not going to get any more detail on the hair. I just want to kind of throw that out there for you to ponder. That things are not always as cut and dry as they may appear. Okay, and That's one of the things I'm hoping you're getting out of this Bible study, not just today, but in every chapter as we walk through the Bible, that reading between these lines and getting to understand of the culture and the background and things like that, that is so important to understanding everything in the Bible. You cannot interpret the Bible we read today in the cultural setting of living in the 21st century. You can't do it, okay? You have to understand it from the culture setting it was written in and how that applied to that culture and then transpose that to the culture we live in today. The principles are the same. They do not change, but the cultural setting will change. Just like uh, if I'm talking to uh, using the parables of Jesus on sowing and reaping, you know, someone who lives in the city their entire life, they don't understand, you know, you plant the seed in the ground and you water it and you don't know how it grows, but it does. And they, they understand the surface of what's being said, but they never had to live the life of a farmer who plants the seed, prays for rain at the appropriate time, and then they see the sprouts and then the stalk and then the fruit in the stalk, then it's time for harvest. They don't understand that. They say, I want corn. They go down to the grocery store and buy corn. What's the problem? Right? What do you mean it's not the season of corn? I can go down to the grocery store in, in January and buy corn. I don't understand why you say it's not the season for corn. Because they don't understand those principles of sowing, seed time, harvest, and all that. I'm getting off track here. Let's jump back in. It's interesting that God did not speak to Abram, so far as the scriptures inform us, until after he made the decision to separate from Lot. <laughs> Think about that while I wet the whistle here. Just like when 
and we'll get into this as well, when uh, Sarai decided to use uh, her handmaiden to help Abraham get a son, for 13 years, God didn't speak to him again. But when he did, what did he tell him? I told you that you and Sarah are supposed to have a child. All right. Well, here, God told him, separate yourself from your family and get out of the land that you're, of your ancestors. Well, he brought his family with him. God didn't speak to him. Finally, it became so contentious that a lot, look, we got to separate, dude. You pick. I don't care. Just go. Then, in verse 14, right, the Lord said to Abram, after that Lot had separated from him, once he did what God told him to do, he hears from God again. The rest of the time we see references that we just said, like in chapter 12, God was speaking to the kings about Abram. He didn't speak to Abram. He protected Sarah, protected Abram by speaking to the kings, but he didn't speak to Abram. It wasn't until Abram obeyed God that God spoke to Abram again. All right. God's call of Abram, so far as we're concerned, was to Abram alone. And so also was the confirmation in chapter 13. God had commanded Abram to leave his relatives. Blessing could not come apart from obedience to God's revealed will, and neither would any reassurance. Humanly speaking, the only thing that stood in the way of divine blessing was Abram's disobedience to the first command. Thank you for joining Pastor Bob as he leads you verse by verse through the Bible in this series called My Bible Study. We pray this study will bring you closer to God and reveal His Word and His will for you through the Scriptures. We would consider it an honor and a blessing if you would support this outreach with your financial offerings. We have partnered with Patreon to offer you unique gifts and benefits for various levels of giving. Please visit our page on Patreon by going to patreon.com forward slash my Bible study podcast, all one word. That link again is patreon.com forward slash my Bible study podcast, all one word. Until next time, be blessed in all that you do.